Our children are going out to Children's Church with Miss Paula, as you can see. That's a good sight, isn't it? <laughs> Man, need some help, huh? We praise the Lord for the children. Us, I love the children. So good to have you with us here this morning, and, and uh, thank you, choir. I saw the light. That's a good one, and just to get your pep in your step a little bit and wake you up a little bit. Uh, just been a good day so far. If you would turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter twelve. Romans chapter twelve. I want to look at some things here with you. And uh, just a sort of an introduction to this, I guess, uh, why I'd come up with it. Anybody been frustrated lately? Okay. Anybody just really love what's going on in our country and our world? And, you know, just it seems like it's everywhere you turn. Uh, my son and I were, were just talking the other day, and he said, Daddy, I just don't understand. It just seems like everybody's mad at everybody. You know, everybody's bickering and fighting and fussing from from churches all the way and homes all the way up to the government. Just everybody's fussing and fighting. Why is that? And I said, well, I, you know, you know why that is. I mean, Satan wants it that way. He wants total confusion. But but also in the in the Bible, it tells us in the end times, which I believe we are living. We are getting very close to the end time. It talks about that the, the son will turn against the father and brother against brother. And just people fussing. It's a picture that the Bible tells us over 2,000 years ago is exactly how it was going to be. Uh, does that make it right? No, absolutely not. But it does make it difficult to live in these times. Uh, it makes it uh, very challenging to live during these times when it seems that everybody, all they care about is their own personal gain and, and their own personal agendas, and no one cares for no, the other one like they used to. And, and it's just all just seems to be going in total chaos. So what is a Christian supposed to do? Just join in with them, right? <laughs> yeah, I had a preacher when I was growing that says, we live in a society that wants to get all you can and can all you get. Just keep everything, you know, get everything you can and keep it as long as you can. And that's the mentality of our world we live in today. Uh, let's look at Romans chapter 12. Let's look at what God's Word says about living uh, with others and, and working with others. Uh, I want to go ahead and read the scripture and then we're going to back up and just sort of give you an introduction to what Paul is talking about when he wrote this uh, book to the Romans. In verse 14 we'll start reading in chapter 12 of Romans. He says, Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but, con uh, de <clears throat> but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own dis uh, conceits. Uh, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things which are honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. That's my favorite part of this text, if it's possible. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine, if thine enemy be hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap up coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Let me read that last verse. Do not overcome evil but overcome evil with good. Father, as we study your word, I pray, Father, that you would just uh, give me the words to say, to boldly proclaim the truth of your word. Lord, open our hearts and our ears that we may hear and that we may understand. And Lord, most of all, that we be doers of what we hear from you today. 
Just thank you for this time. We thank you for these people and their willingness to learn, to want to know you, to draw closer to you. Father, just be with us in these next few minutes. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Paul lays it out pretty uh, strong there, exactly what you should do with your enemies, right? With those who would uh, use you. And per- Anybody ever felt like they've been used before? Exactly. It's a fun time, isn't it? And you just went through it, I'm sure, just like a good old Christian. Said, well, that's all right. Bless you, brother. Just like the Bible says, right? Okay, I, I know. I won't even let you. But let's back up a little bit. Uh, Paul wrote the book of Romans uh, to uh, the Christians in Rome. And, and he said in the book of Romans, if you don't know, if you don't understand, it is one of the best books in all, I mean, all of the books in Scripture are good. But if you want to understand what you believe in basic Bible doctrines, uh, Paul wrote this and lays it out very simply about justification, sanctification, how to live by faith, uh, wh- what the condition of man is. If you, if you look in, uh, and th- just write this down and you can look at it later. Uh, Romans chapter, if you break down the book of Romans, Romans chapters 1 through 3 is the com- uh, condition of the human race or the condition of man's heart. And, and how he got there. Uh, chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So the first three chapters just deal with how God has laid out and has revealed to man his holiness. And, and man understands that, that God is holy. And, and, and rather than saying, I'm not holy and, and, and I, I don't even measure up to a God, they created their own God in their own mind, in their own imaginations. It goes on to say that they, began, they went on further to worship the Creator or the creation more than the Creator. In other words, they worship the trees and the plants and the animals and, and all that. And it's great. It's beautiful. It's God's masterpiece. But that's not what you worship. You worship the one that created that. He did that to show us his majesty, to show us the, the, the aweness of him, if you will. That's what God made creation so beautiful for, is just to display his glory. And we are to worship him and not the creation. But it d- talks about that in the first few cha- three chapters and how we just digress slowly and slowly until we just turn our backs on God. And then in chapter uh, Romans chapter 3, verses 20 and, uh, through chapter 4, it talks about that how God has revealed himself and how man is in this fallen state. And now it talks about the condemnation of the human race. We all know the the verse, Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, If if you look here, there's therefores. There's about 27 therefores I looked up in the King James Version, just in the book of Romans. And you say, when you see the word therefore, it means it's there for a reason. What's the therefore, therefore? So he explains the fallen nature of man. And then uh, in, in chapter 3, verse 20, uh, he says, therefore by, therefore, by the deeds of the law, uh, there, shall no, uh, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So he goes from we're in this fallen state, and, and because of this fallen state, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, it, it's the, the law just points us to and tells us how far short we fall from God's glory and God's holiness. Uh, I've told you all over and over and over, and I hope you get this, the Ten Commandments, God gave them to us. And yes, they're a schoolmaster and a guideline to live by, but God knew you couldn't do it. He never, I'd even say he never expected you to do it because he knew you couldn't. Hello? Some of you look at me like, huh? That calf is looking at a new gate. Look on your face. God never expected, he knew you couldn't. How could he expect you to do something he knew you couldn't do? 
The Ten Commandments, the law was given to say that I am holy and you fall short of that. And then your response is that I need a Savior. Which goes on to, to Romans chapter 5 through 7. Uh, how the human race is justified before God. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, being justified by what? Faith. We are just, not by my works, not how good I can be, but I am justified by faith in the one who died for me. So, uh, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul is laying it out for him here. This is the state you're in. This is what your payment should be. But guess what? God provided a way. And we are justified by faith in That's 5 through 7. Now we come to chapter 8 through 11. He talks about the assurance of this salvation. This assurance of this justification. That you can take it to the bank. That Christ died for your sins. And if you will trust him by faith and confess him as Lord, you have no more condemnation. There is no wrath of God to be poured out on you because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Not because you're good, not because you went to church, not because grandma went to church or you got baptized down here, but you are, you stand justified before God under the blood of Jesus Christ. And so Romans uh, 8, 1, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. See, as an unsaved person, you don't know anything. And we get frustrated at all that's going on. They don't know any different. All they know is what's in their flesh, their own fleshly desires, their own fleshly wants. The Spirit of God does not indwell them. They don't know any difference. I say that to help you to understand. We talked a little bit Wednesday night about uh, people who do things wrong and do this and how could they and all that. And I said, look, as Christians, we need to be more like Christ and say, you know, they do this. Yeah, that's not good. But that's not the problem. The root of the problem lies within their heart, lies within inside them. And as, as Christ would look at the heart of people, he could identify the real problem. And that's what we need to do here is to, to stop judging people based on their actions so much. That's just a fruit of the root of the problem. So we, uh, they don't have the Spirit of God within them if they're unsaved. Or maybe if they're saved and they fall away, there's bitterness that comes in. There's all sorts of things that they're tempted of and, and fall to. But, but there's always a root of a problem. And stop condemning people for, for what they do so much. That's just the result. That's the fruit of who, what the real problem is. And the real problem is they're not led by the Spirit of God. It says here, there's now and therefore no condemnation to which them who which are in Christ Jesus. And then we come to, to the last uh, few chapters of Romans 12 through 16. Uh, Paul lays this foundation of you're in this terrible state. You deserve death and separation from God. You deserve God's wrath. But God provided a sacrifice. God uh, provided a way. And if you'll trust him by faith, uh, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And he lays this foundation beautifully of our justification and purification and sanctification and all them other occasions that you can think of, them big words, how we stand righteous before God through Jesus Christ. He lays it down beautifully. We see there's so many other doctrines uh, uh, in Romans that it talks about, but in a nutshell, that's what it's about. And he lays this foundation of that's what Christianity is. It's not works of righteousness. It's not anything I can do. Uh, it's not how good I am or whatever. It's because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I put my faith in him. That makes me Christian. Christ-like. I don't always act like it. But if Christ indwells me, I'm a Christian. And now he goes on in 12, chapter 12 through 16 and says, All right. 
And it's interesting. Um, I beseech you, therefore. That's how he starts out chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, based on everything you know about Christianity and that you were uh, saved by God's grace and his mercy and he provided a way for you, therefore, live it. Do it, he says in chapter 12. Live that life that Christ died for you for. Uh, we, we all think that, uh, uh, and, and it is, that we, we, we ask Jesus to, to come in our hearts. I want him to be Lord of my life. I accept him, so I'll go to heaven when I die. <clears throat> Newsflash, you're still here on earth. So now what? You got fire insurance, as I call it. You're not going to hell now that you're you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, so you're just going to drag through life and get the best, get all you can and can all you get, right? No. He's saying you've got this. You understand this, this foundation is laid. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, he says in verse 1 of chapter 12, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Knowing all this, it is your duty, it is your reasonable act of worship to worship the God and worship the Savior who died for you and present yourself to Him as a living sacrifice. Here's my life, Lord. Let it be. Have it and let it be. Whatever you want with me, Lord, that's what I want. A living sacrifice. I got to take a drink of water because now it gets tough, right? That was the, the first part of the whole book was easy. Now we come to the nitty gritty. Now we come to the easy preaching, hard living part. That presenting your body part. Daily. When somebody makes you mad. When the preacher don't do what the preacher, you think the preacher ought to do. When they don't sing your favorite song and they should have in church. Whatever reason you get upset, whatever, whatever gets you bent out of shape, this is what Paul is saying. This is how you should live your life. Uh, live it as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Or be interpreted your reasonable act of worship. So then in, in, in verse or chapter 12 is what we'll talk to today. We can break it down some. And my thing is not to, to really give you an in-detailed outline of the book of Romans, which I'm kind of doing, but not really. Trust me, not really. Uh, some preachers have spent up to four years just teaching the book of Romans. I don't think I know enough to do that. But I want to give you the basic outline of it to bring you up to the scriptures that we're talking about today. Um, we're told uh, how we should live in, in these next few chapters, 12 through 15. Uh, what I should say and what a cr real true Christian looks like. He starts out in verse 1, uh, and in your relation to God. You are to live your life and present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Y'all know that? That is your purpose as a Christian, is to glorify Him. It's quiet. I'll keep moving. Then the next few verses talks about uh, that you present yourselves to God as a living sacrifice. And then it talks about yourself. How do you view yourself? How do you look at yourself? Uh, how, how do you do the things that God has It talks about our gifts that God has given us. Do each and every one of you know that if you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, it's not a talent, it's a gift. God gave you a gift. What are you doing with that gift? If you just come to church and warm a bench pew, are you, is that your gift? And by the way, the gift to gab is not a spiritual gift. Don't understand that, right? You know, if at Christmas time or birthdays or whatever, and I'm the kind of guy, I just can't stand just giving a gift just because. I, uh, just, 
you know, we draw names of people that I ain't seen in a year or two years, and I got to give them a present. I don't even know this person. You know, and I don't, it's not that I don't mind, I don't mind giving. It's just I want to give something that they're going to like, that they're really going to use and do something with. And for me to buy a gift for someone and they just sort of like, oh, that's, that's pretty good. Huh? I like that. I, I might use. And they just put it on a shelf. Or it ends up in the yard sale next summer. I just sort of, oh. why do it? Let me ask you something. God's given even every one of you a gift. Are you putting it on a shelf? Sitting on a pew? This is not my message, but this is a good one. What are you doing with the gift that God gave you? We may preach, we may do a series on gifts. Just to help you understand what the gifts of the Spirit is. And what it does. But as Christians, he's given each and every one of you a gift. What are you doing with it? Warming a pew? Are you actually using it for his glory? Are you actually glorifying the one that gave you the gift by using it? Okay, I'll move on. Like I said, that's not my message. But that's, that's what we are to do as Christians. God gives us this gift, and the gift is for the ministry of the gospel. And then he goes on down in the next part of the chapter, and he talks about our relationship with the family of God, with other believers. How do we are to treat them and, and, and deal with them? Uh, he talks about, and then he comes on down and, and talks about, I'd, I'd say, more of unbelievers or anyone that uh, would have a problem with you or you come in contact with. Uh, the rest of the book talks about rulers and government how to deal with the poor, how to deal with the weak. And he's saying this is all classic Christianity. This is how you should live your life. And then chapter 16 is, a, is his closure, his final statements, and the final warning of false teachers. But today I want to focus on chapter 12. As there's my introduction, and I'm almost out of time. But we'll run through this quickly. See, now we've come to the part, uh, uh, this first part of chapter, of chapter 12, verse 14. It says, bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. This is just in general, those who persecute you. And you say, well, we're not persecuted anymore. Uh, in a way. You ever had anybody do you dirty? Just do you wrong in a business transaction or, or cheat you out of something? You could say that's a type of persecution. Maybe not for the gospel's sake, but, but you were done wrong. And it says if they did you wrong, what does it say to do? Huh? Bless them. Well, hallelujah. And I don't mean like bless your heart. You know, bless your heart means so many different things. I mean, bless your heart. Like, you stupid. <laughs> or you can say, bless your heart. Like, really? I'm concerned about you. Or bless your heart. I'd like to punch you in the mouth. <laughs> but it says to bless them. Wow, that's tough, isn't it? That's a, there's that easy preaching tough living thing but the Bible tells us clearly uh, if you want to be a classic Christian if you want to be all that God wants you to be if somebody does you wrong bless them see Jesus gave this example uh, th and this could go anybody that does you wrong or does you harm somebody breaking your house will steal everything you got bless them bless them that's what it tells us to do. Jesus tells us that in Matthew 5, the same thing that, that Paul has, has learned this lesson. Jesus says, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. You ever had anybody cuss you out? Come on now, you can say it. Uh-huh. I know Miss Tony has. She's always just so sweet. Nobody could ever cuss her out. 
You ever just had it? I had a guy one time, we were selling a house, and we had a little sign, you know, they put it at the end of the road, and the, the real estate agent put it up. Well, the sign was just laying down, so I just got out of the car and stuck the sign back in the corner right there by the curb in the right-of-way. This guy comes running out the house just screaming and hollering and cussing, calling me everything but a child of God. And I was like, Really? I'm just putting the sign up. And the next thing I know, before I can say anything, he done told his wife to go get his gun. And she run in the house and got a pistol. And now he's waving the pistol in there, threatening to shoot me over a stupid sign. Bless your heart. (laughs) You know that's what I said, right? (laughs) It's difficult sometimes, but the Bible clearly says to bless them. To live peaceably with them as much as is possible. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them. That's the key thing. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That's what Jesus taught. And he he goes on to say, he says, That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. What's he saying there? Your heavenly father is in control of all things. He is in control of all things. And and for you to present your bodies a living sacrifice, to show the world that you are a child of of God, bless them, pray for them. He says, for if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? In other words, hey, it ain't no problem for me to love Miss Tony, Miss Marjorie. It's no problem. I, yeah, I'm proud of myself. I love them. But that guy pulled a pistol on me. I'm not sure I'm too in love with him. But it says to love them. See, the world, what he's saying here is that the, the world reacts like that. When somebody shows anger, get mad back. Somebody gets one over on you, get even. I used to tell them at the fire station all the time, I don't get mad. I get even. Just remember that if you're going to mess with me, all right? I used to, that was my little saying. Because I didn't want to be messed with. But that's the world's view. That's the world, the way the world thinks. Uh, you, you do something wrong me, I'm going to sue you. I'm going to get my justice. That's how the world thinks. And he's saying, Paul's saying, and Jesus is saying here, no, you're not the world. You're the child of God. Act like it. Be, be, the, well, be a child of God, but we have this saying, be the better person. Be the bigger man. Be the child of God. Know that your daddy's in control of all things. And he takes care of all things in his time and in his way. Let's, let's keep moving. He says, for if you salute only your brethren only, what do you have more than others? Do not even the publican so? Uh, That is the way the world lives. uh, As I said before, they love because they're loved. They hate because they're hated. They do good hoping to regain a favor. The Bible says Christians shouldn't act that way. Love if you're hated. Do good when you're done wrong. Boy, it's quiet in here this morning. Y'all just can't wait to get out and live this message, can you? That's tough, I know. But that's what God wants of us. That's that's the way Jesus showed us. That's the way he lived his life. And he wants us to do the same thing. Uh, We are to show the world the light. We are to show the world there's something different about me. I don't respond with hate out of hate. I don't love you just because you love me. I don't do something for you hoping that I'm going to get a favor in return. Well, there's a lot of people like that. A lot of people like that. They wouldn't lift a finger to do nothing for you unless it got them got something for them out of it. That's the way the world lives. And God is saying, that, No. That's not what I expect of you as Christians. I got to move on. Verse 15, rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. Uh, Be glad when someone succeeds. 
I know uh, just growing up in, in the fire department and stuff and seeing somebody get a promotion, and man, people get so mad. They're filing grievances. Whoa, 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 whoa. They're flying out grievances like wildfire, like they're dealing cards or something. I should have got that. They don't deserve that. They don't even know what they're doing. Ever heard any of that in the workplace? Hey, if he got the promotion, be glad with him. Praise him for it. God bless you for getting it. God has blessed you. Don't be, don't be mad at him about those kind of things. Those who have compassion on those who are in sorrow. You know, those who are down and out and all, don't overlook them. Have compassion with them. Weep with them if you must. Have compassion on them, he's saying, if, you, if it, these are true Christian characteristics. Verse 16, be of the same mind one toward another. That causes more divisions and splits in churches than I know of. You've got your way, you've got your way, you've got your way, and you've got your way, and I'm standing my ground and ain't not moving for nothing. That's where most of your splits come from. People, we need to understand this is God's house. This is God's church. I'm not in control. The deacons aren't in control. He's in control. And if you think I'm doing something that I shouldn't do, pray for me. Bless my heart. But see what that works? If we all leave it up to God, it's His place, it's His church. We're here to glorify him, not me and my ideas. Then we live peaceably with one another. When we know he's the one in charge. That's what he's saying there. Be of the same mind toward one another. That he is our God. That that Jesus is our Lord. He's in control. Mind not the high things. Huh. I thought about it. I, I can't stand it, Kenneth and David. They went and saw old, uh, Gene Watson the other day, and I saw their picture on, and uh, oh, with Gene Watson. And I really didn't think of y'all when I when this verse came up, but I, well, I did when I read the verse. <laughs> Look at me! I'm with the big guy. That's good. I'm glad you did. I, I'm glad you did. I'm not. You know me. I'm not pointing fingers. But boy, there's so many people like that. And I know them. They don't get that way. But so many just thrive on, I had dinner with the president today. I was at a place the other day, and and, uh, this guy was hot, and we were under a tent. We were at Tyler's Race and stuff, and and, uh, (laughs) it just sort of struck me as funny. Uh, He was hot and all, and we were under a little canopy tent. I said, hey, you want to sit down? You want something to drink? Cool off? Oh, no, I'm good. I'm sitting at the owner's tent. I I looked at him and thought, well, you sure are hot right now. I'd go get in his tent if I was you. No, I didn't say that. But there's so many people out there that just want that prestige. And they want to associate themselves with prestige to make themselves look poor. He said, Christians don't act that way. Christians don't look like that, he says. It also is, don't, don't be snooty or conceited or self-important. Uh, don't just, uh, you know, and if you're in a important position, God has blessed you. Amen. But don't seek that just for the prestige, just so you can see how important you are. Uh, don't overlook the poor is what he's saying here, uh, the men of low estate. Uh, uh, James talks about the, the, the people are coming in, he's wearing a gold ring and fine garments, and they give him a seat right on the front row and tell the poor, go sit in the back. That's not right. That's not the way Christians act. Don't overestimate yourself. You're not as all-knowing as you think, and you're not as important as you think. Be careful with that one. Uh, people, uh, and then in, 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 in chapter 17 and through the rest of through 21, he's dealing with general statements in these first few verses I went over. But chapter, verse 17, he starts talking about personal enemies. People who personally 
would do you wrong, personally would hurt you. He says, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Uh, What he's saying is don't pay someone back for something they did wrong to you. Don't seek to pay them back. That's the way the world thinks. That's the way the, the, the world uses and wants to do. Uh, some like to use this verse for capital punishment in war. See, the Bible says it right there. Don't do evil for evil. If they did something wrong, we shouldn't do that. Now, wait a minute. That is not what this verse is talking about. Because if you go back to, to the Old Testament and, and even in the New Testament, God clearly tells governments and civil uh, law how to respond to evil. He gives it clearly how you respond to a murder. I believe in capital punishment because God said it. That's not what these verses are talking about here. These verses are talking about personal There's no room for personal retaliation on my part. God left that up to the rulers and to the governments and all the rest that they as a nation should judge people who do wrong or should go to war. But it's not a personal thing. And that's what we're talking about. Keep in mind that the context of this is personal against you. God clearly gives that in our instructions. So this is not what is going on. Uh, we shouldn't have an attitude of retaliation. Uh, even though it's natural to, to want to retaliate, but it's not Christian. That's not what the Spirit of God wants us to do. Uh, and this will take uh, practice and preparation. Be ready for evil to come. Because let me tell you, I, I know, and, and I, let me, before I say that, the, in the Amplified Bible, it says, take thought for what is right and gracious and proper in the sight of everyone. Uh, take an account, be, be prepared for evil. At the fire department, I keep referring to the fire department for some reason today. At the fire department, we didn't want disaster to come. We never looked for it. Now, some of them knuckleheads did. They couldn't wait for somebody's house to burn down. I never understood that. But anyway, <laughs> they're just young and ready to go. But the older I got, the more I didn't want somebody's house to go to burn down because I so I could go do something. We didn't want disaster to come, but you know what? We trained for it every day. We prepared for it every day in case disaster came. As Christians, we should prepare for evil to come. You should get your heart accustomed to knowing that there's evil out there. And if I'm going to be all that God wants me to be, if I'm going to be the Christian he wants me to be, daily I need to prepare. How do I do that? By reading his word. Get in your mind, what would Jesus do? Or, or what should I do in this situation? Prepare and study for the things to come. Let me move on quickly. I'm... I really want to get through this if you can bear with me for a few minutes. Verse 18, if it be possible, boy, I like that one. As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all. Even God knows it's not possible with everybody. Uh, he knows that there it takes two to have peace. And sometimes the other is just not going to concede. The other one's just not a Christian, or the other one's just not going to be led by the Spirit. It takes two and Sometimes this is not going to happen. So he says, as much of it as possible, make peace. As much as lies in it. In other words, don't, don't compromise the truth. I mean, don't make peace if it goes against what God says. Okay? Don't make peace if it goes against what you know to be right. Uh, some, sometimes you just have to walk away and just leave it where it is. And that same place last week with Tyler, I, I watched two guys wa- uh, argue over a porta potty. And I thought they were going to break out in just a fight right then and there. And the one guy was just, he was about that tall. And he was the one making the biggest ruckus. And the other guy was about this tall. I'm a big old burly guy. And he was all up in his face like he's going to do something. And the big guy just said, you know what, man, just. Go have another beer or whatever. 
He understood that there was no getting through this. There was no way of getting peace. He just walked away and defused the situation. I wondered if the guy, I, mean, I, I really liked his attitude. I mean, they had a few words, but, you know, he just walked away. And I think that's what this is talking about. Sometimes walk away, guys. If, as much, as if it be possible, work peace. If it's not, just walk away. Pray for them. Bless them. Pray for them. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, verse 19, but rather uh, give place to wrath. For his written vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Again in the Amplified Bible, it says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave the way open for God's wrath. If we're Christians, and we understand God's in control of all things, we also understand that God is the righteous judge. He is judge of all things. And I'm going to leave that in his hands. I've got to leave it in his hands because his, his word tells me to, that, that he will repay. He's promised me that vengeance is mine. Uh, it's, it's not our place to cast judgment. Are you a judge? Nope, I'm not. Who's the ultimate judge? God. If you're his child, leave it in his hands. Trust him for it. Uh, you know, I see these videos of people arguing with police all the time. Hello, you're not going to win. I mean, what a stupid thing to do. I mean, I've been pulled over and didn't like what the cop had to say to me. Do you know what I said? Yes, sir. Here's my driver's license, sir. If I didn't like it, you know what I could do? Go to court and stand before the judge. Let the judge decide who's right and who's wrong. Hello, Christians. That's the way we should do it. Whatever. That's fine. My daddy's going to take care of this. He knows what really happened. He'll judge righteously and honestly and justly. He'll take care of this. I could tell you many stories, but for time's sake, that we had some people one time, some of our best friends, invited us out to eat. And while their husband kept us at the restaurant, she broke in our house and stole our money. <laughs> best friends. Bless your heart. I'll pray for you. But you know what? Not that I'm any kind of great saint, but the Spirit of God came over both of us and told us exactly that's what we should do. If they needed it that bad, let them have it. God's going to take care of it. And he did. It's all right. He did. I want to share with you a little story, I guess, that prompted this whole message, I guess, and laid on my heart. And it's just the last few weeks, and I'll finish up. I have been dealing with an issue for since January of last year with my son. Some of you know what it is. We have been back and forth getting him up. Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's a fire suit. He had to order a fire suit because he had to race with it. We sent it all. We paid our $1,000 or whatever it was. Sent the measurements. We have been told that we don't know how to read a tape measure. We can't follow instructions. That we're incompetent. That we're this. We're that. We followed the instructions to the T. They just made the suit wrong. I sent them picture after picture showing them where they were wrong because they asked for it. We want pictures of the suit and the measurement. This hated. So I did all that. I've been doing this for 10 months back and forth with this company that I bought a suit from in uh, New York. Well, finds out the suit's made in Pakistan. Joy, that even adds to it even more. And I, I'm telling you this because I really tried to be Christ-like through all this. Be professional. Be the Christian that God wants me to be. And I kept my cool for nine and a half months. Until just the other week, they, they asked me to send the package to Pakistan. What? I bought it from a guy in New York. Why do I got to send it to Pakistan? I sent it to Pakistan. I'm going to do the Christian thing. So I did exactly what they asked me to do. Well, just to find out that the package is nowhere to be found now. It's gone. 
I've called the, the, our illustrious United Postal Service. We don't know, sir. Here's your case number. We have no way of contacting customs in Pakistan to tell you where your package is. Thank you for that. You're great postal service. I told you nine and a half months I acted like a Christian. I about had enough at this point. Well, then I get a message from this guy in Pakistan and from the owner of the company in New York. You should have done what we asked. I did do what you asked. We're sorry, you're out. We don't have a suit to even fix. <laughs> Bless your heart. I'll pray for you. That is not what I said. I'll be honest with you. I'd had enough. I'd had enough of being the good little Christian I was supposed to be. And I just, it, I was at the race and we were, it was hot and Tyler's having problems with his buggy overheating. And, and, I'll, and then he sends me this and I'm just, what else can I say? I'd had enough of it. And I gave him a piece of my mind of 10 months worth. But it wasn't 15, 20 minutes later, the Lord God just said, that ain't right, Kenny. You shouldn't have done that. But you know what he did? You know what they've done to me? It ain't right, Kenny. I told you vengeance is mine. I will repay. Am I your heavenly father or not? Did I promise you I'll take care of you or not? Yes, Lord, but it'll be a whole lot better if I could spin the eye. Okay, Lord. I don't know what to do, and I'm sorry, and you handle it. It's all I know to do. Monday, I emailed the company back and apologized to them for the way I talked and acted. That was tough. That's that tough living stuff. Did I want to? Kind of. But I did. So that's not how I like to conduct myself, and that's not how I like to do business. And I explained to him my frustrations for the last nine and a half months. And I just, well, you know, all that had gone on that day, I was at my wits' end, and I, I apologize. I shouldn't have acted that way. Have a good day, sir. Well, <laughs> now it gets good. The next day, the U.S. Postal Service contacts me again. Mr. Heinzel, we can't find your package, and there's no way of finding it. Great. Thank you. Praise the Lord. I was really okay. I was trying hard. But you know what the next thing she said? Mr. Heinzel, you know you bought insurance on that package, right? I did. Yeah, just make a claim. We'll pay you for it. There's all of our money back for the whole thing. I'm like, thank you, Lord. I didn't realize that I'd done it. I said, Lord, it's yours. He said, here's your money back. The next day gets better. The guy from Pakistan emails me and said, Sir, I understand your frustration. Very understandable. I really hate that you've had this struggle. I know it's been a long time. You should have had that uniform months ago. He said, If you'll send us a fresh set of measurements, we'll just make your son a new suit. Not only did I get my suit, I'm going to get a suit made for him. I got paid back for it. And I'm struggling with that, really. What's wrong here? I feel like I was cheating the postal service or I paid for the insurance. They told me to do it. I'm not sure what we're going to do with the money. Maybe we'll give it to the people anyway. I don't know. But you, my point is, if you put it in God's hands, look what he can do. Something I never could have done. And all the fussing and all that I did over that and complaining didn't amount to nothing. When I gave it to my father, look what he did. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to bless you. 
and I'm way out of time. But it goes on in verse 20, and it says, Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him a drink. And so doing, you heap up coals upon his head. When people do wrong, God asks us to be overly nice to them. Bless them. If your enemy, not your friend, not your neighbor, your enemy, your known personal enemy, take them a covered dish. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And that heaping of coals, I want you to understand, some preachers said, oh, if you do that as Christians, you heap up coals, you're going to make their fire hotter than hell. Hotter in hell. That's not what he's talking about. That actually is talking about an ancient custom that the Egyptians used to do when somebody had done wrong and they were sincerely sorry and wanted to repent for the, and had remorse for what they did. They would take a bowl and put it on their head with coals in it and it was hot and miserable. It was a way of showing that they were sorry and they were repentive for what they were doing, that they wanted to change what they had done. That's what he's talking it's a It's a quote from Proverbs 25. Solomon knew all about that custom. See, when we do good to our enemies, that gives them the chance to say, you know what, that's what Christ looks like. The one they said who died for me and loves me even though that I've done him wrong, even though I put him on the cross, he died for me and loves me unconditionally. That brings you to a place of wanting to repent. A plate of humility. And that's what that's talking about. And finally, verse 21, do not overcome evil. Do not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Have the victory over evil with good. Uh, this is the true nature of a totally committed Christian. I know it's tough. And especially in this world we live. But do your best. Prepare the best you can. Have a game plan of when evil comes, what am I going to do? Am I going to be Christ-like? Or am I going to act just like the rest of the world? Remember, your daddy, your heavenly father, I like to call him daddy. He's in control of all things. He knows all things. And if I'll be his child that he wants me to be, guess what? He promises he'll bless me no matter what. And if things don't work out just like I think and like I want, he's still going to in control. And he's still going to bless me. See, the ones that you're trying to show Christ to, ultimately, if they're unsaved, their, their final destination is hell. They don't have what you have. Be as much like Christ as you can. Show him his love and his grace and his mercy. Be the child of God that he wants you to be. Father, we thank you for your message today. We thank you for the lessons that you, you teach us and your patience with us. Father, just help us to live that life that you have called us to live, to, to give what we have and to, to exercise the gifts that you've given us. But, Lord, most of all, that we go into the world and not so much speak about the gospel of Jesus Christ, but that we live the gospel of Jesus, that others would see in us Jesus, that others would see his grace. Lord, we just thank you for that. We thank you for the time today and for all that we've learned. Lord, be with us in this next week that you just lead and guide us in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.